This podcast is rated E for explicit. Two truths and a lie. Have you ever heard about the game Two Truths and a Lie? I don't like swimming because I almost drowned as a child on the beach. Uh, Matchbox cars were my first Christmas gift. And I am most happy when I am singing. It's often played in social settings as an icebreaker. I don't think that Matchbox cars were your first gift, so that is my lie. Okay. I, I actually like the Matchbox cars thing. I think that is. Um, I would probably say the happiest when you're singing. What I love about it, though, is the potential it has to expose stories we tell ourselves about each other. I would probably venture to say that you actually can swim. And you enjoy swimming. Mm. See, in trying to figure out what the lie is, we must reflect upon conclusions we've drawn, maybe incorrectly or prematurely, about others. I agree with Sam. I think it's Matchbox Cars is the lie. Is the lie. Okay. And just to be clear, all of your guesses is is what the lie is, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So the singing is the lie. What I love about it is the potential it has to show us that the picture we're painting of oh, others yeah, that's the lie. is really a projection of ourselves. You win, Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> you know him better. No, no, no. I mean, I just, I'm just listening to stories, thinking about things, and I just figured singing isn't his happiest time, so that one's got to be out. I.e., you know him better. <laughs> <laughs> You met me in the midst of many things. Shedding skin, sprouting wings. Looking at life as a spiritual being through a human lens. Having conversations with God about so many things. This show is your invitation. The Poet God is the conversation. One thing I've been driven by in my work over the years as a columnist, poet, radio show host, spiritual being making sense of this human experience is my pursuit of the truth. But what happens when you discover that the questions whose answers you're driven by aren't so easily answered? What happens when those answers show up with questions of their own? I've learned that some questions don't need to be answered because the cost To know them is too high. In certain circumstances, the truth can be lethal to a loved one. And love may come in the form of a lie. 
So years ago, when I first heard the song Telling Stories by Tracy Chapman, uh, it resonated with me because it was asking its listeners to consider all the ways and all the reasons for which we lie and to consider that sometimes a lie really is the best thing. Now, if you don't know the song or the lyrics, we've got you covered with a reading by a few members of the board who before this recording spent time together and apart digesting the lyrics of this song along with a TED Talk by Nigerian writer Chimanda Ngozi Adichie and an Amazon original movie called The Lie. All for the purpose of this very thought-provoking conversation. So let's get started with where this journey began for me with the lyrics of telling stories. There is fiction in the space between the lines on your page of memories. Write it down, but it doesn't mean you're not just telling stories. There is fiction in the space between you and reality. You will do and say anything to make your everyday life seem less mundane. There is fiction in the space between you and me. There's a science fiction in the space between you and me. A fabrication of a grand scheme where I am the scary monster. I eat the city and as I leave the scene, in my spaceship, I am laughing. In your remembrance of your bad dream, there is no one but you standing. Leave the pity and the blame for the ones who do not speak. You write the words to get respect and compassion. And for posterity, you write the words and make believe. There is truth in the space between. But there is fiction in the space between. You and everybody give us all what we need give us one more sad sordid story but in the fiction of the space between sometimes a lie is the best thing 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 So we're going to start off talking about the inspiration for the program, Telling Stories. And the line that really kind of haunted me was the idea that sometimes a lie is the best thing. And I know that at first blush, people hearing that, hearing that, that statement um, might think, well, how could a lie ever be the best thing in any situation? Because, you know, a lot of people, especially if you're a person of faith, um, you know, we're indoctrinated to think a certain way about truth and about lies. One of the reasons why it, it, it haunted me is because it um, inspired me to think about all the variations and the variables that make up a lie and um, the truth. 
And it's not just, it's not a simple thing. It's not a black and white thing. And I think if you've lived any life at all um, and have had to confront people that you love and uh, have difficult conversations with anybody, maybe there was something that you wanted to say that was better left unsaid in the moment, you know, which is what we refer to as a lie by omission. And so we're going to dive into that. First, I want to get more um, of an idea of how telling stories resonated with you guys. So I'm I'm going to kind of comment directly on the song itself. Because okay. I think that you know my initial my initial read of it was that it was really about um stories that happen within relationships, you know, maybe misunderstandings or you know sometimes there may be misconceptions or stories that you've told yourself about what this relationship means or who the other person is. But after watching the video, um I do think that there's a really great um argument for it being made that the song is much broader the stories that we tell each other about each other um you know whether or not they're true but they are about how you make yourself feel better in the space you're in right mm-hmm. like that line that says you know the stories you, you do do or say anything to make your life seem less mundane right that kind of resonated with me a lot about you know just how we keep ourselves in our own little corners mm-hmm. because it's about um would you say it's that whole idea of if your life is worse than mine, then I can feel better about, you know, my situation. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it has to do with that. But it also could be as simple as I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm going to I can keep you at bay and I don't have to think anything of you. Right. Well, so I want to I want to be clear. Are we talking about the lie or are we talking about a story? Because um when you think about the story as an art form, it's used as a vehicle, like um, Calvin said, to explain or make better our environment around us, uh, i.e. when we tell stories about how the stars were created or how the world was created. Um, on the flip side, stories like words that form them are forms of energy, uh, similar to a lie. Um, and the words that we form to make our stories and our lies and to make us feel better about our environment and to protect us, those are energy vibrations that we put out. Right. And energy is not lost. Energy has to take another form and it continues. And I think that's the difference between, let's say, the mundane story of how the stars were created and how a myopic story of how religion got to the United States, mm-hmm. colonialization, um, that energy has has taken its own form. And there are negative forms of that energy and there are positive forms of that energy. Right. It can reinforce and uplift. And similarly, it can degrade and um, downtrodden. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, and to Calvin's point, um, you stole my line, by the way, Calvin. Uh, <laughs> so we, I was talking to Akil about this. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was saying how that particular um, line or, or that verse stood out as well, simply because of the fact that I look at social media. I look at, um, uh, well, damn it, just social media. Um, I look at that and I look at the way in which we communicate and the moments that are expressed on social media are our best moments. And those are the things that we post. We post pictures of us and I'm guilty of it too, uh, at the beach and half naked and, and sharing times with our families and friends and all of these positive things. Those are still moments Mm -hmm. and it's a story behind Mm -hmm. that particular moment. But are our lives really and truthfully that great all of the time? That goes back to the omission part. So a lie by omission. Also, too, sometimes, too, I think that stories, sometimes there are stories that we create of ourselves, which isn't always truthful. But in the same regard, too, there are stories that are created of us, which we have no control of, which people create these narratives in their minds that they've created in their minds of who we are, who they think we are. So that they come up with these stories of who this person is. They do a, a quick glance over to see this group of black guys coming to them. Know these guys got to be something criminal about them just because of the way they're walking. And that story was created by, they created a story in their mind. And then they come in and say, oh, these guys are college because they, they realize that based on the back of their jerseys, oh, they're college students. So less harm. I feel like this group of guys, I'm going to create less harm for me. So these are stories that, people create in their minds, which has nothing to do with the person that they're, that's coming towards them. The point Gary was making was fully in alignment with what Miss Ngozi Aruchi illustrated in her TED Talk, The Danger of the Single Story. Aaron introduces the clip here. Telling stories, telling stories. When I think about telling stories, we actually, all of us, um, actually witnessed uh, the, the young lady, uh, Miss Nagichi is her name. She is a well-renowned author. We talked about um, the idea of having a single focus story and how that particular story sometimes tells a negative narrative um, or a very myopic nar- narrative. Uh, I think for, for me, um, telling a story uh, is a more involved, um, a more layered look at, uh, you know, a particular phenomenon, a particular person, so on and so forth. So much so that we invest the time and energy to uh, research someone else's story, someone else's lived experience. All of these stories make me who I am. But to insist on only these negative stories is to flatten my experience and to overlook the many other stories that formed me. The single story creates stereotypes, and the problem with stereotypes is not that they are untrue, but that they are incomplete. They make one story become the only story. Of course, Africa is a continent full of catastrophes, the immense ones such as the horrific rapes in Congo, and depressing ones such as the fact that 5,000 people apply for one job vacancy in Nigeria. But there are other stories that are not about catastrophe. And it is very important, it is just as important to talk about them. I've always felt that it is impossible to engage properly with a place or a person without engaging with all of the stories of that place and that person. 
The consequence of the single story is this, it robs people of dignity. It makes our recognition of our equal humanity difficult. It emphasizes how we are different rather than how we are similar. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey guys, I'm Joseph, a member of the board, which is what Akil refers to as his community of friends and supporters. We all have something valuable to give, and sometimes it's as simple as giving someone else a reason to live. On behalf of all the board members, I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Akil's success is our success, and we want you to be a part of the community we are building. It's not enough. It's not enough. Because you are the very foundation we must build it on. It's not enough to tell people that they matter. We have to show them. Like my friends showed me. So tell a friend, leave a review, and keep in touch. We want to hear from you because it all matters. Just as you do. There's a fine line, I think, between a lie and perspective. Yeah. Because one person's, and that even sitting here, mm-hmm. our perspective may be completely different. Calvin may be completely comfortable. I'm hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And we're sitting in the same room doing the same thing, but our perspectives about our environment are completely different because they are seen through our lens. Right. Um, and so... That being said, if you express your perspective or perception mm-hmm. and you express it in a way that is I centered, mm-hmm. is it not easy? Is it not easy to omit someone else's experience within that perception? Mm-hmm. Does that make it a lie? But I but I also think what are your perceptions being built on and formed from? Uh, I mean, experience or your personal experience, I think, definitely uh, creates the fabric for which the perception is then transposed onto. Or lack of. Uh, or lack of experience. <laughs> and this is very true yeah. because ignorance is an experience. Because I think that's what the the young lady in the TED Talk um, was saying. And in, uh, in the danger, the danger of the single um, story is that it's a single Story and that without the perspective or the um, having the uh, the broader view of having multiple stories, the danger in it is that you form your perspective on people based off of a very narrow idea or a thing or a place or whatever a very narrow idea of what it is or what somebody else wants you to to focus in on and and and, and form. So when, when I was you know just kind of taking in what you guys are talking about right now about. The perspective and everything. And I wonder if the challenge is, you know, Sam asked the question, is it alive? But it, my question is, it may not be alive for you, but are you projecting that perspective onto someone else? Uh, so, and this is, so for me, when I think, like, I think that there's, it's almost like the difference between 
a tumor and cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a malignant intent when one lies. There's a, a mal- and it doesn't, it, it, and it does not mean in the sense that the person who is delivering that lie is mean or means evil. I think that one can try and protect oneself. And the ripple effects can have adverse effects to others. Right. Um, but I do think that there is a, a, a negative aspect, a negative facet of the storytelling process when we say lie. Okay. So it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of what I was um, saying to Calvin uh, yesterday when we were talking about it, where the lie, the word lie seems to, to have a, a judgmental connotation. Right to it, and and that's why I love that um, in the song Tracy Chapman uses the word fiction. <laughs> you know, there's this fiction in the space between you and reality. You know, uh, a fabrication of a grand scheme. You know, uh, and then at the end she says, "But sometimes." <laughs> <laughs> and so that that would that's exactly my thought because just listening to you, Sam, talk about the fact that there is negativity around a lie. And I don't believe that because the word lie is a specific thing, right? That's why we use the word white lie when we're trying to make it softer. But it's still, even in that phrase, still says lie. It doesn't mean it's always negative, right? Mm. Well, I don't think there would be a need to augment it with white if it wasn't <laughs> negative. The fact that you're uh. trying to downplay, you know, a in this particular case, an action because lying is an active form. Well, what, what about when you tell a four-year-old that Santa Claus is coming? So, I mean, are you, so no, I feel I feel as if that's a personal question. I wouldn't tell my four-year-old that. Okay. I, I actually feel like that takes away, as a black man, as specifically, and let's make this specific, as a black man, I think that that takes away from my earning and my providing capability for my child to think that there is someone coming into their home who does not look like them, who has no, um, uh, no connection to them and potentially looks like someone completely different. And they're the ones who are providing you gifts and making you happy. No, I need you to know that I went out and worked. So that way, you know, that you have to go out and work to make yourself happy. That is a great perspective that I had not thought about at all. <laughs> that, no, no, that I mean, is. I, I just I I love that concept because they're in they're in is talking about how sometimes lies are problematic, and that's a great example of a, a, a problem being solved there. All of you raise a great point, though. So my question is is simply this: Does a lie make itself worse if someone gets hurt? If a lie is just a lie and it doesn't hurt anyone. Is it still considered a lie? It's the proverbial tree falling in the forest and no one hearing it. In other words, is a are the consequences of telling a lie always considered negative? Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, you know what? I I don't know why this image has popped into my head, but I keep thinking of driving down the middle of the road and there's a huge pothole in the road, and then you try to stare around it, and you just end up going right into it, right into it. And I feel like sometimes that's the way <laughs> a lie is. <laughs> like you're trying to 
manage it, um, and then you just end up right headfirst in it. You know, my my sweet mother would say this to me as I was growing up. You know, when I did some shit that was wrong, and it happened happened often. Um, <laughs> you know, she <laughs> she would say, "Are you upset because you did something wrong? Or are you upset because you got caught?" So I say the same thing with a lie. Mm. But you know, Sam brought up an interesting point, which is the, the the intent of the the lie, and that is one thing that I I wanted to dive into because I know that at first blush, people might automatically kind of demonize it because the word itself brings that elicits that kind of thing. But I think it is um, important to, to to highlight some scenarios where. Maybe to tell the truth is actually cruel. So I have a question. Just pose to the group. Each person can answer. When was... I have a question. Pose to the group. Each person can answer. Uh, you don't have to give me any details. When was the last time you lied? And it can be a, it can be a lie in whatever context that you feel a lie is. Mm. So it could be omission. It could be a direct lie. When was the last time you lied personally? I will give you a perfect example. Don't you don't have to? But go no, ahead. no, no, no. I, I think this is good because that what, what you I know exactly kind of how I set this up. A friend of mine tried to call me yesterday. I was driving and I decided I'm not going to call them back until today. So I basically said, hey, I forgot to call you back yesterday, and hopefully we'll be able to catch up soon. It's a very simple lie. I felt like it was better than me saying, no, I just ignored your call. Um, but it's not going to harm him, I think, and he's never going to know the difference. I'm trying to think still <laughs> of when the time was or situation. It's probably kind of something similar where... Well, how long was, ago was that? Oh, uh, you said yesterday. No, that was right before I left home today. Okay. And <laughs> probably be in the situation, probably when somebody was calling me for something, and I, based on the person calling or texting, I knew what it was about, and I just didn't respond right away. And then they, they sent another text about something, and I, I kind of responded like, oh, I'm going to get back to you in a couple of days, whatever, even though I didn't start what I needed to do right away. But I knew I was I would get it done in two days. But I was like, okay, yeah, I'm working on this. I'll get it done in a couple of days. So and this was probably like less. No, what, what day are we? Probably like early this week. So the last time I lied was Friday. Yesterday. Yesterday I lied. <laughs> <laughs> and and let's be clear, it was technically Friday morning in the wee hours. In the wee hours, I was caught in something and uh, in an effort of self-preservation, I lied. I, it's interesting that you bring up the idea of like feeling bad mm -hmm. about the action and not necessarily about the results or the consequences. Um, I think that's important. Um, but yes, I lied yesterday. Mm. I, I So I lied also yesterday, as a matter of fact. Um, someone asked me, and this, this is true transparency. Someone asked me if I were um, 
actually wanted to engage in sexual activity. And I said, no, which was a lie because I was horny. I just didn't want to have sex with that person. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, and I, I, you know what I'm hearing is that, that there, the contrast that I'm seeing is that, as Sam mentioned, his was very specifically about self-preservation. Whereas mm. the other one was really about preserving somebody else's feelings. Oh, right. is that that's what you were trying to do? Spare there? <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not. I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want to feel bad about making you feel bad. Mm. That's a very good point. Like, I don't want that guilt. But I think that there's a way to deliver the truth. Um, and I, I encountered that today, actually, because I knew how timely this conversation was in comparison to what happened on Friday, that today when I, my mind prompted me to lie, I was honest and dealt with the consequences. Uh, and it was because I had a schedule conflict here. Mm -hmm. uh, someone wanted to do something. I said I was going to do this. And... I let them know, hey, I I made a schedule conflict. I found out about this, and this is what I want to do. Oh, and I see. They were able to digest that and, you know, respond. And I dealt with their response. I probably lie most um, with lies of omission. Mm. And I don't feel bad about it. Um, and the reason for that is because when I um, think about what the other side of it is, telling the truth, I'm just not trying to manage that. Mm. So for, I'll give you for a, a, an example. Um, one of my cousins had, had hit me up and they were asking me why I haven't been on the Zoom calls for the family. And... I told him that it was a scheduling um, <laughs> conflict, but the reality is, the truth is, is that if I wanted to make the time to be there, I would have, and I just did not, and I just did not want to have a conversation about why I didn't want to, <laughs> you know, and I just didn't want to do that, and so I did not. We'll be right back after these messages. If you're of a certain age, you might remember this Oprah Show promo from the early 90s. Four o'clock. Where's everyone going? <laughs> I know. Oprah's on. Oprah's it's from an era when my journey begun as an 11-year-old with a past I needed to untangle. That's why 4 p.m. was special to me. The Oprah Show helped me find a new way to be. And today, it informs the lens through which I see the Leaving Neverland documentary. It's a difficult conversation to have, but I challenge two friends to take this journey with me of unpacking a complicated history. I did not want to watch this documentary. Oh, and they weren't all that excited about the conversation, but... And then I was like, okay, it's going to be a long... It's going to be part one and part two. I'm like, God, I think you'll 
fine. They rose to the occasion. I said the same thing, by the way. I was like, <laughs> I'm watching it. I was like, it's four hours. <laughs> I was like, no, I got to put my mind into this if I really want to watch this. So listen to both episodes of Oprah's On and let's take a journey down memory lane. Stop in the middle at 200 Heroes, a poem inspired by the Oprah Show event I participated in about 200 male survivors of sexual abuse. Then strap in for what remains as we celebrate just how far we came. So this is an excerpt from an extended conversation held between Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin, two very important and influential black voices, black intellectual voices. And contextually for this particular conversation about lies, this is an excerpt about black lies within the family. It takes two people to have a relationship. Yeah, but but it, but the relationship. If you don't have a dream, fake it. But the relationship, you can't fake a dream. You got to fake it, because we don't have dreams these days. How the hell can you have a dream? For what? Well, it isn't. So, so everybody's everybody's jiving, but let's jive on that level. If I love you, I can't lie to you. Of course you can lie to me, and you will if you love me. And you're going off with Maddie someplace. You're lying to me. Because what the hell do I care about the truth? I care if you're there. But Billy Holiday say, hush now, don't explain. All right, I accept that. Of course. All of course right, you lie to me. Because I don't even want to care. What, what does the truth matter? And why are you going to be truthful with me when you lie to everybody else? You lied when you smiled at that cracker down the job, right? Lie to me, smile. Treat me the same way you would treat him. I can't treat you. You must. Treat him. You must. Because I've caught the, I've caught the frowns and the anger. He's happy with you. Of course he doesn't know you're unhappy. You grin at him all day long. You come home and I catch hell because I love you. I get least of you. I get, I get the very minimum. And I'm saying, you know, fake it with me. Is that too much of the black woman to ask of the black man? For 10 years so that we can get a child on his feet that says, yeah, father smiled at mother. Hearing Nikki Giovanni sing, fake it with me is heartbreaking because I think about women like my grandmother who grew up in a time where men, as she puts it, gave their best to the foreman or whoever else in the public and came home and gave the worst of themselves to their children and their wives. Her saying, lie to me, in this instance, breaks my heart because she's asking for a sort of kindness that, although she knows isn't real, she'll take it because it's so much better than what is. Baby, baby, I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying, and I... I don't disagree, but no, I'm going to be honest and think about it, really. I'm not so sure that that is a human possibility. If I have to smile all day at the cat on the job, the foreman, you don't understand why I'm smiling. Mm -hmm. 
phone is mine. It's mine because the baby needs new shoes. I can't give a performance all day on the job and come home and give a performance on, all night in the house. Okay, so one of the performances will stop. Yes. So you say, and okay, I might be willing to go with it, but who's going to pay the rent? The rent will get paid. Look, baby, I'm willing to play it your way, but you have to see my point of view. I see your point of view, but the rent will have to I'm get sm- paid. The price of the rent is my smile. No, no, no. I don't want you prostituting yourself. I demand. I don't want you prostituting yourself either. One of us has got to work. You you will work it out. I mean, you can hear the weight of the task we face in James Baldwin's voice as he puts it when he says, I'm not so sure it's a human possibility to put on a performance for those you love and those you've decided you must impress. For many, it's the price they feel they must pay to survive. But I love that she pushes back on his idea of survival and in doing so, challenging black men in general to figure out another way to live, to be. And until you can figure it out, lie to me. So obviously you can see that James walks into the conversation or this excerpt thinking that lies are innately something that you give to people who you don't love. Mm. While Nikki, on the other hand, feels as if it is something that you give to people you do love. Mm. In fact, you're going back to you're potentially protecting them, protecting yourself. Uh, There's a lot of protecting but that lie is meant out of love. Right. I think it's an interesting concept in right. how she presents it. Right. So I, I teach my, uh, my clients um, about living authentically. And it'd be hard for me. You know, and and they tell us obviously not to uh, as a therapist, they tell us, you know, obviously not to do things, not to practice things that you would not tell your clients. But so what I'm hearing is it's almost okay to tell a lie, thereby living in authentic or unauthentically in authentic in authentically. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All these damn degrees and I can't. (laughs) <laughs> this word. <laughs> um, I don't know. For some reason, conversations with parents come to mind. Um, and I think, <laughs> Tyler, if lies aren't told in conversations with parents, I don't know when they're not told. But I think in, do- in that content, in, in that context, um, one of the things that, like, like let's, let's use our mothers, for example. I mean, when you think about your mother and and especially when some of them are bold enough to ask you certain questions that they know that you're probably going to have a a struggle answer especially if it's something about your love life or something like that and they're just kind of prying and they want to know you know do you have a girlfriend do you have a boyfriend what's going you know those kind of questions and you're like really um but then sometimes it's get it's more complex it's it's more layered and 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 maybe if it's something that's more of a life defining question where they've been thinking about it and they've been wondering how to approach you 
uh, because it's something that's been bothering them or whatever or they've been concerned about. And they have to figure out how to word what they want to say in a way that they can get the extract the information from you. And then you on the other, other side of that, trying to figure out what not to say to hurt them. And yeah. And to have it that, be. That's such BS. Like there is probably nothing that you have done that your mother has not done. Yeah. I mean, the reality. Uh, and and mm-hmm. this is the thing. Who are we to say you can't handle the truth mm-hmm. when more than likely you've lived through my truth? Mm-hmm. You know, people who've lived through my truth. You're acquainted with my truth. And in fact, you're asking because you already know my truth. Mm. And I 100 percent agree with that, because I think that a lot of us think that our parents aren't worthy enough. Right? Mm-hmm. They We put parents on a pedestal like, oh, my God, they're pristine little pieces of glass. I've got to protect them. Mm-hmm. But that's not really the case at all. Right. And I think that it is disrespectful in, in many ways to dance around it, because sometimes your parents might actually have some good advice for you based on their experiences. Mm-hmm. This takes me back to two points in the movie. And that movie is an Amazon original called The Lie. Here's a little snippet of the trailer. And yes, spoilers will follow. Hey, bet they thought they were going to get away with this, huh? Excuse me? Brittany and Kayla didn't make it to the dance camp. Didn't the school call you? No, Kayla's sick. I kept her home this weekend. I was sure they were doing this together. You know, they were with their secret plans. No way. What? Dad, pull over. It's Brit. What are you doing here? I'm going to that stupid ballet thing. Duh. You think I could talk to Kayla? Her dad took her to the doctor. Can she call me when she's back? Of course. (laughs) You need to tell her dad that you don't know where she is. No. Hey, what happened to your face? Looks like you got hit. Is there a bathroom nearby? Can we pull over now? I'm scared. She can't be trusted to talk to Brittany's dad. Daddy! Kayla! Get down! <gasps> Where's your friend? Oh. Whatever this game is that you're playing, it's over. Where's Brittany? Get off me! Dad! Get out of here! I'm going to the police. Brittany! How do you want to do something really bad? I pushed her. <laughs> she fell. Second-degree murder. There's something wrong with her. She was such a happy little girl. Okay, this friend, her father came by the house acting strange. Did Brittany ever talk about her father? She told me that he hits her. You ever lose your temper with your kid? Who told you this? Does he really hit her? No. Yes, I learned from the best. Whatever you want to believe, there's one point where the um, where the detective, who is an ex coworker, mm-hmm. asks her ex coworker, "Was your daughter here or anywhere in the vicinity?" It was a very direct question, and the way she worded it was very direct, and it was an unequivocal no. Mm-hmm. And then she just pulls out. The inhaler. That's almost sort of like how parents they give you enough rope to hang yourself. Yes, yeah, it, yes, that's sir. that's the negative concept of it. But yeah. I give you enough ability to be honest with me. Mm-hmm. And then the second 
um, thing that comes to mind is when they now know that the girl's friend is alive and they are now about to confront their daughter about the bigger situation. One, they're about to go to jail Mm -hmm. for killing um, the girl's father and the lie itself. Right. She, in her very myopic point of view, sits there and is like, well, I was trying to put you guys together because you guys couldn't do it yourself. Right, right. I'm trying to control the situation. But you, the thing about it is, is that it's funny. You're not even mature enough to handle this situation. Like, we've obviously shown we're Or is it your responsibility? <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it's the idea that you couldn't handle it if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you for trying to protect me. And I feel like that's sort of how parents sometimes can look at us. Mm-hmm. Like, that's sweet of you. But yeah, we could have handled and, that. And, and I, but, I, but there are relationships. There are certain scenarios where the parent has not been responsible in dealing with the child's truth on any level. And they've shown the child time and time again that they cannot handle the truth. And that's why... Um, and those scenarios that the child defers and 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 figure out other ways to you know exist in fiction as much as they possibly can around and you know around their parents. You, you know, it's funny you say that too because I, I I can think of one story of a friend of mine. He's one of four children. Turns out that both of his sisters and his brother all came out to his parents, and he. Never did because he wanted them to possibly have one straight kid, mm. and that was and he he kept it all the way to their graves. Wow, wow, yeah, and that was that was that was one thing that I was like, wow, I I would never have probably done it myself, but it was really all about that whole thing that that you were talking about. Some parents they can't deal with that level of truth, and he really was trying to protect them. Mm-hmm. So, so it it takes me back to a good point that you made earlier, Calvin, or that you alluded to. Um, there are two sides to every coin. So, when we think about what is my truth, i.e., coming out, um, and what is maybe the parents' truth, maybe preserving the family name or you know any variation thereof. Um, where do we side? Where, like. Where do we side? Where do we as as human beings say, well, you know what? Should you live in your authenticity or should you keep that secret to preserve whatever it is that you think that you're preserving? Um, One of the things that I think about um, is I don't know what the the, the exact story was, but I know I remember it was a movie and there was a truth that a child wanted to tell. and And the parents response to it was, how dare you? Um, and it wasn't it, it was how dare you because uh, how dare you you don't you don't get to have your truth because of what it cost the rest mm. of us you know yeah. so it, it, yeah. it's it's it forget about your truth what what is it costing and I you know the fallout from it and all these other things and you know I think that there is a fine. I think that there is a fine line between between authenticity and reality because authenticity is literally. A fabrication of our ideal selves, like who we present ourselves to the world. But at the same time, we don't do that in a bubble. Mm-hmm. The world still exists around. The world still exists around us, right? And so, I 
There's consequences. And this is this. Well, my point being is that like experience holds a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking to people who are older, they've seen the world. They've seen how things don't change and they've seen how things do change. Mm -hmm. And they're able to take the truths and distill it through their experience of the world in a way that someone who is younger, Mm -hmm. less mature, less worldly can't do. And so... There is a degree of, okay, I understand you want to be authentic with yourself, but I need you to lie to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. I need you to lie because we want the best for you. I need you to lie because if you come out with this truth, you won't get to where you want to be. Right. I see where you want to be in my child, but you won't get there if you're this authentic. Right. And it, it goes back to the Nikki Giovanni, like there as black men. There are days where we lie. In fact, I think that code switching, baby, black, code switching. As as <laughs> black men, there's probably a day that we don't lie. There's probably not a day that we, on some level, present in an inauthentic way. Mm-hmm. How about that? I not see. lie, but present in an inauthentic way. So, an example for me. Oh, sorry. No, I was just thinking about sometimes when sometimes people have stories in their head of what they think the truth is, but they don't want to hear it because then it becomes a reality. And even though in their mind they think they know the truth, they don't want to deal with it. And they don't want to ask you about it because it becomes a reality. Yeah. And that reality creates a whole nother set of conversation situations which then that they have to they, do they can't take back because now I've I've heard this. I've heard it now. Yeah. Even though I've been thinking it in my head of what I think it is, but there's no confirmation. But if you tell me now I have to deal with the truth of what this is. The energy of the words has now create created a ripple effect. Like the energy has now transformed into something else, into someone else presented by another subject but that energy moves forward and they can't take it back they, and can't, you can't, they can't go backwards energy, now no, because energy the, doesn't energy doesn't mm-hmm. work that way and i think that um example that gary just used plays a lot into people um telling whatever their truth is especially when, when it comes to their sexuality and they mm. kind of hold that you know to their chest and they 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 so other people from the outside may say but it's obvious. What, did they have to tell you? Um, but 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 they may not have actually had that conversation with the people that are living right in front of them, and they prefer it that way. And the the, uh, the other people on the other side of it prefer it that way, whether it's their parents, and they just want to keep that. You know, they don't want to talk about it. They just I, I don't want to hear it. You know, and 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 I've heard stories where you know um, the child in the situation have tried to t- tell, and that the response they get is. Um, I don't want to hear it. Whatever it is that you're going to say, I don't want to hear it. And they already know what's co- they already know what's coming. And before it even comes, they're shutting it down. And and uh, not not to um, th- but you remember that episode from Ianla Fix My Life where um the the couple was sitting down and uh he Ianla was asking her to confess basically oh, to right. the yeah, yeah. to the husband in the situation and she had an affair. And he already knew in his heart. He didn't have proof or anything, but he had a feeling that something was going on. And he he started shaking. Oh, 
with the with the with the with the with the because he felt it was it was and coming. He said, I don't want to hear. And he I said, don't, I, I don't want to hear it. And because he just couldn't bear to hear her say it, he just couldn't. And and I feel like that is real for a lot of people on the other side of truths that they cannot bear to hear. So so it begs the question. By the way, Calvin, I love. We've talked about this several times. I love your coming out story. I oh. really and truthfully do. Um, we've talked about this several times, though. When someone says the truth, mm-hmm. is it more of a release? And I'm, I'm a firm believer that the truth does set you free. I'm speaking Bible. But <laughs> um, the truth does set you free. But I think there's a release of energy and endorphins when you tell the truth. Now, this is the thing, to your point. Does the truth also affect as well as infect when you tell someone, hey, guess what? I'm, I'm, I don't know. Hey, I'm black. Mm-hmm. Can know? I, to that point, to your point, what you just said about the truth uh, setting you free. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of thought about that. One of the things that comes to mind is when you say the truth sets you free. If that's true, right? Who is paying the, the tab for that? Who's paying the uh, price for your freedom? Because depending on the situation that you're talking about or whatever the truth is that you're being set free from, sometimes other people have to take the tab mm-hmm. for the truth, hence, for your freedom. Hence, mm-hmm. um, affecting mm-hmm. and infecting. Mm-hmm. Back to that infidelity thing. Mm-hmm. That was what I was going to mention earlier, is that, that is, that's another one where, like, even me personally, I'm that guy who just, I don't need to hear it. Right, right, right. You did say that. Just keep it, keep it, keep it out there. Yeah. You know, whatever, let, you know. I've never in my old days used to to be the type of person who wanted to be lied to. But this is one of those cases where lied to me. But see, so this, tell me, let's go, I'm curious about that, though. Uh, what is that? What do you think? It, it, what the is same, it about The me? same thing that, 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 that you guys did to describe where the guy was shaking or whatever. Mm-hmm. There is a recognition that it is true. Right. But I can continue living the lie that I had before but see, if I don't know it. This is my I thing. I can't unknow it. This is this is um, a great um, point. Go. Well, and this is this is my thing because I agree with you, Aaron, in the sense that, and it's not a lie. And this is my thing. We have to talk about it in the broader sense because a lie is nothing but a story, and a story is nothing but words. Words are energy, and therefore they can infect and affect. They can affect the people around us, and they can infect us. Like when you tell your truth, it it creates a foundation of authenticity that you can then then build on internal. It infects you. And it affects the people around you because almost sort of like the, the, the concept of the light shining from people, people who shine light are usually authentic. Mm. And it, it also shows me the fact that that man was shaking. It shows me the energy that can then be deposited in the same way, infecting and affecting those who, the lie, mm-hmm. the omission of the lie, which actually, <laughs> which actually kind of, I, I was going to say, it doesn't omission have energy because it's technically not worse, but apparently, yes, in my mind, yeah. omission also has energy. And the idea that he's shaking with that energy mm-hmm. well, so he did, tells but, me that he's well, affected by. Well, I think at that point, too, when you, 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 when you didn't hear the truth, you, the receiving person has to make a decision. Of that situation, if I don't tell yeah. you about it, 
I don't have to make a decision. I can just continue living. But then if it comes so to me it, now, I now have to... It affects the person. It affects the person enough where now I have to shake you into your authenticity also. Yeah, exactly. So now That's you a, have to be you have to be authentic to meet my authenticity. Exactly. That's, That's a not point. a bad thing. No, it may not be a bad thing for one side. She may not be ready for it. The other side of it may be crushed. But who yeah. wants to right. be, who That's honestly wants to be with a man who you don't respect enough to tell the truth? But but well, we to say that that's not plenty true. of people. <laughs> yeah, but that's not right. Go because ahead, it goes me. back. No, it just goes yeah. back to what you're saying is for that for that one person to be set free to say yes, I had an affair with him. Somebody else may be having to pay the price of that feeling. Yes, definitely. Yeah, right. But that definitely. doesn't necessarily. You're, but I, I'm 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 reserving judgment as to whether or not that's actually a good thing or not. Hmm. So so. Sam brought up this point um, when we were we, we were talking prior to coming on air. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, Gary uh, brought up this point, not Sam. He made the comment about, well, there are people who suppress who they are for a long time. And I joked and said, yeah, when they get to Atlanta, then they become free and, and so on <laughs> and so forth, <laughs> which is, you know, I think is true. Um, or any major city, uh, but more specifically Atlanta. My point was to, to actually Sam's point, how long, how much trauma, how much hurt and, and suffering on the inside, how much infection are you, um, are you holding on to if you're saying I can't be who I am because I'm going to affect the other person? I don't give a damn about, you know, what price they have to pay. I'm hurting me. And doesn't that also infect what you and affect the way you present to the world? Absolutely. Or how you feel about yourself, too. Yeah. And like your perception of the world is then augmented, I think, from your omission, your lie, your inauthentic self. Now you're living your everything you do from there is inauthentic. Like you're building off of that, mm, right? Um, it's almost like a snowball effect. Yeah. yeah. So how can I? You know, we talk about relationships all the time, and and I think to myself, okay, how can I, by suppressing who I am, really and truthfully understand and know to Calvin's point, how I can accept and give love. If I don't know who I am, you if I love right, and I've been suppressing this, so I'm telling myself a lie. I'm a damn sure tell you a lie. Yeah, because lying is a part of your personal culture. So if that's what you do, that's what you give. I, I still, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still stuck a little bit on the the set you free part mm-hmm. um, because I'm still questioning whether or not telling the truth always does set you free. Because the, the the reason I'm having problems with this is what if there are consequences that you now have to deal with that make your life worse? Mm-hmm. So the momentary cons the momentary or to me the momentary consequences that you experience from being inauthentic uh, does not outweigh the long term effects of your authenticity. Uh, I think that every life experiences ebbs and flows. There's going to be ups and downs. And so you take that, if you're living authentic, you can wake up and be happy with the fact that you're eating beans, knowing that all the bills are paid and I didn't have to go out to the club last night. So to um, Calvin's point, I had a situation where 
this this girl who I was going to church with, um, her she was she was a she was part of a foster family that was adopted by one of the ministers in the church, and it was a family of I believe it was four or five kids. They were adopted together as a family, and anyway, um, her one of the girls and I had we were kind of close uh, friends at one point, um, and then she confided in me that she was being molested uh, by her her foster father who was the one of the bigger ministers in the church. And I remember having a conversation with her specifically about what she wanted me to do with the information that she had given me because she had, she had told me that she didn't have the courage to tell. Um, and, and she told me all the reasons why, because she said, if, um, if, 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 if he, if something happened and, and it, they, they, were to be taken away the the whole family would suffer meaning all her brothers and sisters would be yanked out of this home because they were being uh, very well provided for financially mm-hmm. as well and so she was telling me that her sister her older sister would hate her because her uh because you know she was uh, more materialistic and so she was enjoying all the things that she was getting um you know and so forth and yeah, because she I remember her very well. You know, she was always cute, always glamorous and whatnot. And and she loved the financial position that they were in because of being with this family. And she would she was saying that they, it, it would destroy them. But on the other side of that, she couldn't take it anymore. And she was considering suicide. She was con- she was just she, she kind of rested it in my on my shoulders. And it was almost like I cannot make this decision. And so I'm telling you, um, I'm telling you, and you do what, you know, it was like, you do what you want with it. And so I thought about it and I, and I thought about it and I thought about it and I was like, Ooh, that was a scandal. Find out how I handled it in the next episode. Lie to me, which is episode 11. As I reflect on this journey of spiritual awakening and self-awareness that I've embarked upon, I feel that I've been changed forever. Paradise for me has been a process, a process of sorting out all the single stories that make up the bigger picture of who I am and making room for everything every story that will inform who I intend to be, all while rejecting every story held as the only story of any facet of humanity, therefore allowing a path to paradise to remain alive and well within me. Stories matter. Many stories matter. Stories have been used to dispossess and to malign, but stories can also be used to empower and to humanize. Stories can break the dignity of a people, but stories can also repair that broken dignity. The American writer Alice Walker wrote this about um, her southern relatives who had moved to the north, and she introduced them to a book about the southern life that they had left behind. They sat around reading the book themselves, 
listening to me read the book, and the kind of paradise was regained. I would like to end with this thought, that when we reject the single story, when we realize that there is never a single story about any place, we regain a kind of paradise. I'm Akil Johnson, the poet god. Thank you for listening.